Well, this is Ray. And I'm Ruben. And this is the Rabbit Hole Ramble. It's a podcast where we say, where we say the, the quiet, quiet part, part out, out loud. Is there still a lag on this phone? What the crap, dude? Maybe. <laughs> I thought we were going like, to fool everyone that we were in the same room together. What the heck? Did we, we didn't nail it? <laughs> we did not nail it. <laughs> I was trying to track you. You were trying to track me, and it just went, oh, Pfft. man. That's funny. Yeah. Well, as you can tell, um, Ruben is not here. He's actually in Michigan, and um, we have, this is our second time of doing a distance, um, what's it called, podcast, and we actually have a third-party guest as well. It's going to be fun, so tell us a little bit about the upcoming podcast, uh, Ruben. Oh, oh man, it's going to be good. We just, uh, just finished recording, and it was a great conversation with Todd Lawler. Um, he's a, a gentleman that has uh, cerebral palsy and is, um, God's using him in some pretty incredible ways to uh, see people uh, follow Jesus and um, disciples be made. And um, so it's, you'll, hopefully you'll really enjoy the conversation uh, that we have with him. And we had a blast. I mean, the, the time went by pretty quick. Um, oh yeah. And a lot of it I think has to do with just the the focused attention and when the, when the attention is focused and there's no distractions in your, in your mind, it's amazing how time goes by real quick. But Todd has some amazing insight. He's very witty, very fast, uh, very, mm-hmm. um, um, what's it called deep in his, his thinking. And it's really transformed, um, his life, his ministry, his family. And we were, man, we were totally blessed to have him on our podcast today. Yeah, there were there were several times where I just I, I've caught myself just staring at the screen. I was lost in the conversation. You yeah. know what he was saying, which is very, uh, yeah, like you said, very wise. Um, and God's really uh, done an incredible work in his heart to bring him to where he is today, and uh, and he's using that to empower others and um, help others along the way as well. So mm. it's been really good. Also, we didn't do this while we were talking to Todd, so that's one of the reasons we jumped on here, kind of give you like a pre-heads up, but um, coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble for all your coffee needs. Ruben, how are you doing without coffee slingers all the way in Michigan? Dude, it is, I, my mother-in-law has a Keurig and it's great. I'm going to do a wah, wah, wah over top of that because that's kind of like a cuss word, man. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, (laughs) it's great because I can still get some coffee, but it is definitely no coffee slingers. So I'm looking forward to being back and having some freshly ground um, coffee slingers coffee in my cup. And next time you go, you're going to take a bag with you. You're not going to mess it up and not take it with you. So speaking of which, if you go to that coffeeslingers.com slash rabbit hole ramble, they'll ship it to you. It's And you get your 15% discount. Dude, amazing. If I would have thought about it in time, I should have. But I actually talked to my brother about it, and he is potentially going to sign up for a subscription. Yes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him. Uh, I'll send him a couple bags uh, of like uh, test flavors to see which one he likes. Because he's, we talked about it. He doesn't like the fruity, acidic kind. He's more the the nutty, like smooth. nutty, chocolatey. Yep. Yeah, nutty chocolatey. So uh, I'm gonna send him a, a, a couple samples and see which one he likes better, and then I'll I'll send him a. If he can get Revelaciones, man, that's the one he wants. Revelaciones. Yeah, I'll definitely send him that one to try. So see what he thinks. Sweet. Well, this uh, conversation with Todd um, 
was awesome. So yes. no matter what you're doing, take some time and listen because it'll be a kickstart to your heart. I don't know how else to put it, but it was awesome. So here we are. We're yes, going to jump right good. into the rabbit hole ramble with Todd Lawler. Weak is the strong. Let's go. each other for let me think here how long Ruben oh we met in a missions conference at yeah friendship that was probably I was uh what when would when did when would you have come it would have been 2015 what maybe 15 yeah yeah that that sounds about right so that's where we that's where we met yeah and so then, he was working at a different church and then um we met hit it off I thought he was an idiot, but we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was right. No, he was right. No, we were, we hit it off. And then, um, back in 2019, um, I started bothering him about coming to work here at Bethel. And so mm. at, at first yeah. he didn't, at first he didn't want to, or maybe he wanted to, but he didn't know if it would work or I don't know what his, I'm, I'm speaking for him. So I have no idea what his perspective was, but, uh, right. Uh, little, Little by little, you know, kind of swayed him this way. We met in person several times, and then um, he decided to come work here at Bethel. He started January 1st, 2020, and then, of course, a couple months later, global pandemic <laughs> kind of right. changed everything. So, right. we've, so what we've had is these conversations for about a year and a half. And I said, we both said, man, we should just like hit record on our conversations because our conversations right. are just long rambles about everything. And yeah. so, uh, so we finally hit record one day and here's our podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, well, is, I think, uh, I think most podcasts I listen to are the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably true. I like, I like long podcasts, long form. Yes. The, I didn't yes. know that we would ever have guests on the podcast, but we've had oh, yeah. several guests, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun to ramble with all sorts of people. So, what's your perspective, yeah. Ruben? What's your perspective? Yeah, no, I, it's the same thing. I, I think for me, it was it really spurred from uh, a lot of questions that I was asking myself, and Ray happened to be someone that God put in my put in my path to, mm. and he really gave me the freedom to ask some questions that I had not been able to ask. Um, yeah. and maybe, maybe that's unfair to say that I couldn't ask, but for whatever reason, didn't feel the liberty or, uh, have the confidence to ask them. Um, and so we walked through many things. I mean, the first six months that we, that I was at Bethel, um, I mean, talk about a challenging season with pandemic and, uh, just, uh, transition in my life personally, uprooting and moving my family to a different city, um, trying to figure out housing and 
um, mm. how this is going to work and all that kind of stuff. And so I think God used that season uh, of unsettling to just say, hey, things are already unsettled. Um, go ahead and ask the questions. And and Ray was uh, very gracious in our time together, especially those first six, eight months um, that I just wow. had a ton of, a ton of questions mm. uh, regarding faith, personal life, um, how uh, ministry uh, coincides and crosses over with, with personal life and, and like, mm. um, just all, all kinds of things. And so we just, it, that's all we did. We had a conversation. It wasn't like he said, you need to do this, or you need to land on this, uh, in this area, or this is the answer wow. to the questions that you're asking. Yeah. It was just, Hey, let's, let's talk about it. And because you have the questions and that's really where it was birthed for me, it was like, man, we need to, uh, other people need to have the freedom to do that as well. Yeah, you want that? It's so wonderful that you have a culture that people can ask questions. I mean, that is huge. How do you think a church develops that culture? That's a good question. I, I think... Um, developing a culture of that it's okay to ask questions and not to know mm. is rare. It's not. It's not normal. Um, true. Yeah, yeah, true. In church, uh, especially in the church in the B- Bible Belt, um, because <laughs> a relationship with Christ in, in the Bible Belt tends to be how much do you no. Uh, how much do you know about the Bible? And to me, that is such a, a informational based faith and not a um, transformational. Yeah. I am um, aware. I. Probably you have the same experience, but I think my masters in Bible just let me know how much I do not know about the Lord. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think um, you go to Bible college or seminary and you get a bunch of information, and then. You don't have a lot, especially in undergrad, you don't get a lot of opportunity to discuss, question, and then the only discussion and the question you have is in your dormitory with other guys that are trying to learn. And then when you come into class with a professor that's been doing this for a long time, or you go to a church that's very um, legalistic or maybe fundamentalist, then you you don't have an opportunity to ask any questions whatsoever. You don't right. have an opportunity to even question some of the fundamentals, let's say, of the faith. And if you don't ask questions and if you don't wrestle with the your faith, it's pretty shallow. And so when anything yes. comes along and there's a trial or there's a difficulty or, I don't know, there's all sorts of things that can come up. And once it does and it questions your faith and you don't have an answer for it, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to navigate it. And so... I was a missionary in Central America for a long time, uh, oh. started churches there, 
And one of the things that I wanted to establish was a faith practice that was real, not based on an American telling them what to believe. And so we did a lot of scripture study. We did a lot of thoughts and thinking through culture and asking questions um, so that if I ever left, which I, I grew up in Central America, so I'm kind of a native there, but if I ever left, that the church would continue um, and exploring just the vastness mm. of God and what Jesus wants for the community and what he wants for their personal life. And so I think some of that translated over into my work here at Bethel too. Um, and what's good is that it takes two, it takes both sides. You know, you gotta, you gotta have the openness to listen, but then you have to have the openness to ask questions. And so it takes yeah. a lot to ask questions too. Yeah. I just think how many t- times Jesus did both. He asked questions and he received questions too. Yeah. And he never made anybody feel bad. He was always interested in the person and yeah. maybe the motivation of the question, not, oh, you why are you asking that question? He, in this conversation, one of my favorite biblical conversations with Jesus is in uh, John yes. 3 with um, with Nicodemus. And it's my favorite all-time passage because there was someone looking and asking questions, and Jesus brought them along on a journey and even told them things that he didn't know. And I think Nicodemus, from then on, went to explore the depths of being born again and the thoughts of something greater than our religious system, you know? So I love that. Yeah, it's so interesting because one of my favorite scriptures for practical ministry is in the next chapter in John 4. And it's amazing to to, to, to how much Jesus and the woman at the well had dialogue. I mean, they went back and forth. I love how, how Jesus never shares anything canned, but he knew that every day she got water, right? And so, so, so he, he used her language to share the good news. Hey, I will give you water but you would never go thirsty again. Yeah. Yeah. That's real good. I think, love that. I think... Uh, you kind of hit it right there because um, back to your original question, you said, how do you develop a culture of curiosity and a space for people to ask questions? I think it's, for me, it's a deep-seated trust that God knows what he's doing better than I do. And and the mm. challenge for ministry and leading mm. in ministry is that you're almost looked to and looked at as if you have everything figured out or you have yeah. the answers to life's questions. And the reality is Ray and I, no one has all the answers, but yeah. we know who does. And so Amen. it's this continual like push toward to not point people toward us and to say, Hey, <laughs> look at me. I have all the answers. You come to me and I'll give you all the right answers. It's a, it's a redirection to say, Hey, I, I may be able to help you along in the journey, 
But ultimately, I want to point you toward Jesus because he's the one that has all the answers. And so you can always ask questions because you're never going to ask a question that Jesus won't be able to answer or that he's thrown off by. You, you take the example of the woman at the well and, you know, he tailored uh, his responses and Amen. that that individual person and mm. that individual situation. He had many mm. different conversations with many different people. Um, and that's the challenge, I think, for me, uh, leading in ministry, is that I want to have a formula that I push people through that, like, that's where my mind goes. It's like, there's got to be a right way, and there's got to be one way that it can be done. And if we can kind of put people through this system uh, mm. then and get everyone to this specific place where they believe these things and say these things and act, act these ways, mm. then we have succeeded. And that was kind of the, uh, again, back to the, the premise for this podcast was I was bumping up against um, resistance, especially in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, that things look different. And so we we're like, whoa, what do I do with all these things that I thought were the right way? Because we're being forced to do things differently. We're being forced to ask different questions. Yeah. And yet God was still at work. Yet, yet God was still working in our community and through our church and through us as ministry leaders to see people find and follow Jesus. And so yes. it wow. really, wow. really upset some things for me. Hey, just think how many people in what I call the Pandemic of shut down, the pandemic. Uh, I'm not talking about the sickness, but in the pandemic of the shut down itself, how many people were stuck alone and didn't have anyone to ask questions to? You know, my, my heart and how how did the church respond? respond to that. Yeah. yeah it's, I read an article early on in the, well, maybe halfway through last year, and it said that the church lost its queen in the game of chess, which is Sunday morning services. And they had worshipped this queen of Sunday mm. morning services, and they had lost their chess piece. And so they didn't know how to do ministry with pawns and bishops and knights. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting uh, uh -huh. the correlation. Hey, you're talking to someone who loves chess. <laughs> I just, I just taught my son how to play chess last week, and oh. so uh, yeah, you're speaking my language. Yeah, I taught uh, my son as well. I'm not, I'm not very good. I like chess. I'm not very yeah. good, but I like to strategize and I like to think ahead. My son, yeah. I'm trying to teach him the same thing to to think ahead, think a few moves ahead. My yeah. mind lives in the future more than the present, and so I have to battle with the present. Yeah, I can tell yeah. you're a visionary just because of your your book and the the ministry that you have, and the, you're an entrepreneur, and you've gone through a lot of uh, experience. You don't you don't take no for an answer, which is kind of a, <laughs> a part of your life. <laughs> yeah, that's what we have to do. do. But um, hey. I I was going to start, start out with this is the time of the podcast where people um speed up their podcast right now. I talk slow 
and you will sound like chipmunks when they speak that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I actually was thinking about this and your 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 podcast. I've listened to a couple other podcasts. I've watched a couple of your shows, and I and I really like the idea that you said in your book that when you talk and when people meet you, it makes them slow down. And so I really yes. like that idea. I like that thought. And it's like, I was going to ask everybody that's listening to our podcast today, myself included, Pastor Ruben included, is like, let's actually slow down so that we can stop and smell the roses. There's so many things that we miss because we're such in a hurry and we want to move through things quickly uh-huh. and give me the, give me the, you know, the nuts and bolts and let's get through it. And the whole yeah. point of this, this podcast is to say things that no one else will say. And we're going to yeah. take a long time saying, yes. and so, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. around, let's slow our minds because most of us, I think the reason most of us don't want to slow down, Todd, and I was, I was reading your book and I thought about this. The reason most of us don't want to slow down is because we're afraid of what we're going to find in our minds yes. if we do. Yes, um, we had to come in contact with the woundedness of our life that we tend to cross over by staying busy. And a big part of my book and what I want to talk about later is a major part of the gospel is Jesus died not only for my sins to save me, but he died to heal me for the, from the sins that was done to me. And that's good news. And when, when we slow down, we got to face the hurts. You know, and, 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 and what, what my heart and ministry is for people to, to get healed, their hearts to get healed by the blood of Jesus. Just as much as uh, I want people to be saved. Yeah. That's real good. That's real good. I, uh, I, before, I mean, we're kind of already into this. I didn't even, we didn't really officially start, but we've started a long time ago. That's the way this okay. rabbit hole ramble works. But yeah. I did want to <laughs> introduce you because you, you said this is the type part of the podcast where people want to speed up and, and do something else. And I want to introduce who you are. I'll let you tell us who you are, but I'm going to tell you some things that I know about you just from yeah. um, reading your book and some of the things you said. So, so you're an author, you're a speaker. You're a visionary. Obviously, we talked about that as I go. You're a leader of a nonprofit. It's an expanding nonprofit. It's called Mission Mobilization or Mobilized Ministries. Um, you're a dad. You're a husband. Uh, you're a yes. dude, which uh, you can see in your book. You're just one of the guys. Um, and you, re- you wrote this book in a fascinating book called Weak is the New Strong and how God's power shows up in you, even in your weakness. And so we'll talk about that as we go along, too. But um, you also have a master's degree. Um, I'm sure there's What's interesting about reading a book, especially this kind of book that's very personal, is that we tend to say, now I know Todd, and I know him because he wrote this book, but there's got to be way more of you that <laughs> that you didn't put into that book. Uh, oh, yeah. I know there's more on a daily basis. I mean, you moved from the, from the middle America over to California, which is a whole uh, fascinating journey in itself. But tell us who you are. Give us your name. Give us some details about you. And then... Um, just tell us kind of some of the things you've gone through. 
Well, um, my name is Todd, and I have a a, a, a gorgeous, sweet wife named Marissa, and she keeps me level like I'm a visionary, and, and she's my detail mate. And so she, um, uh, yeah. she, 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 and so we are a good team, and we have a um, a six year old name Oliver and a um, but most people call her Ellie. And then we have a eight month old, no, a nine month old, almost 10. Wow, 10 month old. Wow. Henry. Yeah, so I'm a very blessed man. Um, so um, I, I worked for a um, worldwide. Discipleship ministry for um, um, about about twelve years, and then um, um, the Lord led us um, to start mobilized ministries in Dallas, and so um, the heart behind that. Is um is the little Lord started growing our last discipleship ministry too big for the kind of mission that I used to work for, and so um I said, Lord, what do, do we do? How do we make these young professors? She knows into the into disciples of Jesus who will make disciples of Jesus. And and so the Lord led me to Luke 8 1, Luke 9 1, and Luke 10 1. And Luke 8 1, there's that picture of Jesus being with the disciples. And we say meet, right? We, we, we are, I meet a lot of people for coffee <laughs> every day, especially here in Hollywood. I meet with actors, directors, producers who love the Lord, but, but I mobilize them to, to share rice among their spheres of influence, but in Luke um, 9, 1, Jesus pulls the disciples in and he sends them out. So, so he mobilizes them. And then in Luke 10, 1, he said, I'm in 72, so we between Luke um, 9, 1 and 10, 1, they multiply by 6. So meet, mobilize, multiply. That's something that every single Christ follower 
who leaves the church service excited for the Lord. I mean, they heard a great sermon that fed their faith and they worshiped the Lord. And now they're super stoked. But now what? Well, one, now what? Is to see your everyday life among your four spheres of influence as an impacting ministry. Your family, friends, co-workers, and, the, and strangers of the Holy Spirit helps you meet. And so um, we're just super passionate about I, Everyone I meet, um, I, every single one who's listening on this podcast, we want you to know that, hey, you have the most powerful ministry that, that we know because you're among your spheres of influence that, that no other minister can reach. That's real good. That's really, really good. Yeah, um, so I'm going right. to repeat some stuff you said. So you said kind of your ministry, Luke 8, 1, 9, 1, 10, 1 is meet, mobilize, and multiply. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So meet, mobilize, and multiply. And then there's four spheres of influence that everybody has. And so a lot of people say, ah, I don't have influence, especially in a global pandemic. You're kind of <laughs> isolated away from people. It's not normal. So you have family, friends, coworkers, and then strangers. And so the most powerful mm. ministry you have is those four spheres of influence. That's real good. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, so, so Todd, why, why is it, ha- why is it that you speak the way you speak? What is, what's, yeah. what is your life? Well, 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 I, I was about to say, um, so, um, well, first moved here, um, to Hollywood, um, I would, um, people were asked me where from. I'm like, well, I'm half from Oklahoma, half from Texas, and, and they would respond, "Oh, that's no wonder you speak so slow." <laughs> oh no, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. But, I was born with um, cerebral palsy. I almost died, and my mom, pray Lord, may you let him live. And if he does, may he be a minister for you. And she never told me that until after I got my bachelor's in business manager oh you just through being disciple there and growing and passion to make disciples I call my mom I'm like hey mom I'm going to, to go get a bastard in Bible to be a full-time minister and that was the first time ever that she told me that prayer <laughs> wow that's a cool prayer so she that's prayed cool. that god would let you live and if you live to use you in the ministry is that was that was her prayer and yeah that's yeah. awesome so 
I was reading your book and it's and uh, <laughs> the the way that the, the book you have a funny sense of humor, uh, you kind of laugh throughout. You've got some god-sized requests and dreams and vision. Um, but then I think it's at the uh, towards the end of the book, you said uh, cerebral palsy has its perks. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of laughed out loud uh, because yeah. you said that, and I was like, that's funny because most of us wouldn't think that. So so tell me some of the some of the perks maybe of having cerebral palsy. And 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 people that don't know what that is, tell us what that is. Okay. Well, actually, this might suck all you, but. I never knew what cerebral palsy was for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really, really just had this ambition that I think was for the for the Lord to, to concentrate on what, what I can't do rather than what I cannot um, <laughs> do. So, um, um, so CP, what that does, it slows down everything. So the, the part of your brain that, that is connected to your fine motor skills, um, all that is slowed down. If I moved and talked um, as fast as I thought, think though, I would probably um, be <laughs> flash. <laughs> yeah. Well, your mind works very, very fast. I can, I can tell. So you're kind of a stubborn wow. visionary. So if you're focusing on the stuff you can't do instead of the stuff you do, that's how you become the man you are today. Oh, my rare. I. Can tell that you are a stubborn visionary too. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> so oh, what well, well, you uh, still want to tell me early on if, if the Lord gives you a vision, He will give you the provision. To make that vision real nice. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you've been in California for how long now? So, um, we, um, we moved here, um, not strategically, by eight months before the pandemic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're so, like so, in a new, a new place, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we started our ministry here um, about nine, eight or nine months before everybody started to um, think that they could hide their home from everything. So, um, um, so uh, I mean, so it, it was cool that the Lord supernaturally opened some major doors when we first got here to, to meet with actors, directors, producers, um, pretty quickly. So it, it was good that we got to have some relationships established so that during the uh, epidemic, we went 
especially people here, um, they follow the whole hashtag stay home narrative um, right. and, and selling the churches to end that um, everything went online, which I, I'm talking more about um, people do not get many phone calls to hear how they're doing. And, and so anyway, there was a lot of ministry of pastoral care that the Lord opened up in my mind um, before I mobilized people to share rice. I like to minister first to, to, to their heart and just help people know how, how Jesus me, 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 me meets them where they are and how we can replicate that with other people. Yeah. I think during the pandemic, you got to experience something that all of us, like you're, you continued living something that all of us for the first time were experiencing, which is a limited mobility, a limited access to other mm. people, a limited, you know, experience interacting. And so you, you've been working through this your whole life. So for you, it was like, ah, this is no big deal. I can handle this pandemic. But for other people, this was the first time that they felt weak, weak and limited, right? Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting is people um, came to me concerned about how I'm doing. Um, says, says to people, like many dogs, uh, I am very healthy. And so some people were, were, were concerned. Hey, Todd, I am, are you going to be okay? And like, you know, you got, this is the time in life where we, we thrive in God's power. Yeah. This is not this is not the time of life that we cower and and just and just and just lean way back and do nothing. And right. yeah, this is the time to to to, to pick up the phone and see. Who are needs encouragement? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm interested to um, kind of hear maybe as you're telling your story, um, dealing with you, you talk a lot about God's power, and um, you even even in the middle of a pandemic, you said this is this is the time in our lives where we should thrive in God's power, uh, not cower to the things that are happening around us. Um, and so what, what, I guess, what brought you to that place where you recognize God's power in your life and were able to lean into that rather than to be frustrated or mad, mad at God for some of the limitations that you may, uh, you may experience on a daily basis. And you said, I, I focus on the things that I can do rather than focusing on the things that I can't. So that come that that at some point was developed in you? Was it a person? Was it uh, maybe multiple people? Uh, maybe it was your time with the Lord. Um, maybe share with us a little bit about how you got to 
the place where you are, um, where you can really thrive in those uh, those mindsets. Well, I I I like to share about the climax in my own walk with the Lord, and that was um, when I went to the um, inner city of St. Louis, and I worked an internship where um, the pastors would invest in the interns in the morning, and then they would take us out in the afternoons to do the inner city ministry, homeless ministry, uh, all these types of ministries. And, and for the first time in my life, I just felt like super out of my comfort zone. And my, my weakness seemed so big. And um and um so, so we worked with a family of eighteen people living in a two bedroom house in the inner city wow. of St. Louis. Um, the missionaries there shared the gospel before we came. They all came to the Lord and. and um, and, uh, I would go to the house and they would come out to my car and instead of helping me, um, helping me get my wheelchair up the steps, they, they would walk me up the steps. I mean, I felt so much love that this family was like walking me from my car to the living room and we, we would sit, sit down. And we would just talk about G. I thought out of my coming zone in so many ways. There was a barricade down the street to stop drive by, drive by shooting. And I Met this guy in the name John. He was in a gang. I mean, everybody respected him. No, no, he was not in a, a gang yet. Every gang in town wanted him to be in their gang, but he just came back to the Lord, and so he kept telling people no. And then, then he met me. And he was like this super strong, buff guy. I like this weekly. And he said, Todd, will you disciple me? Wow. And, and that, 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 that kind of flipped my whole mindset. I was suicide down. Here's strong John, wanted weak, weak. Todd to minister to the disciple and to help him know the goodness of Jesus. Everybody me of, um, of another John, you know, John the 
Baptist, and, and during this time, I, I was learning, and in the um, that I was learning this, but the, 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 the Lord Spirit was showing me that I must decrease so that God can increase. And then, um, every day, every day that I was having quiet times with Jesus, which that is the you all of our life, right? Like, I don't know how we, we can ever stop having quiet times with Jesus because and the intimacy with, with him overflows into our missional life. Um, but during this special Quiet time. The Lord, the Lord, let me to Second Corinthians twelve. Paul had his deep weakness that Satan attacked him with, and it caused the thorn in the flesh. And then, then, and then the words popped out of the page into my heart, right in the middle of this McDonald's, which, but, but, but then there was not hipster coffee shops to, to have any white times. There was just McDee's, right? And so I read second. Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord says, My grace or my unmerited favor is sufficient for you, or it's all you need. For my power is displayed or shown through your weakness. And right then, in that cafe, I, I was drenching with tears, like the Holy Spirit, like just give me tears of joy. Yeah, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your power, Lord. Thank you. I'm thankful for my, even though it's not from you, I'm thankful for my speech, I'm thankful for my wheelchair, I'm thankful for every weakness that every Man or woman has to do it because if your power can be shown through this, then raise your name. And so, to, to answer your question, ever since then, my life has not been in spite or despite of my weaknesses, but it's been because of God's power that that is displayed through this. My uh, my thorn in the flesh is those McDonald's fries. <laughs> those are those are those are not right. <laughs> so funny. That's a great story. Um, as far as like, okay, so so God showed up to you at a McDonald's, 
What's funny is yeah. God showed it to me in a uh, Burger King. So I don't, I don't know what that oh, means. Yeah. But he oh, yeah. Oh, Fast food places, you know? This is cool. How did he do that? How did he do that? When I was uh, 18, 19, I was struggling with my, uh, with really just the whole concept of faith and what God wanted to do with my life. And I was asking a bunch of questions. I was, I was down. I grew up in a ministry family. My, my parents are, are in ministry. Uh, they were missionaries. And so it was always normal to be in church. It was always normal to be serving. And it was always normal to be around the things of God. But me, myself, personally, um, I had make some, made some decisions. You know, you're around this bubble. And so you don't realize that there's other options. Well, then I came back to the States and I was serving or I was working at a job. And most of my peers were not Christians. They didn't know Jesus. And so part of the struggle was, okay, so I'm supposed to be the light. I'm supposed to be the, the, the voice here. And it was really hard because I started asking myself, what do you really believe? Like, what is your, what is your faith based on? What's the hope based on? And so I was wrestling with this for months. And one night I worked till um, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And so on the way home from work, back to school, I would always go buy some fast food place to get something to eat before I went back to the dorms. And uh, this particular night, it happened to be Burger King. I wanted a Big Mac. And so I pulled into the Burger King parking lot and it was raining and I ordered a, a Whopper. I, ordered, I think I ordered a Whopper with everything on it, you know, normal Whopper. And before I could pull around to pick up my Whopper, I just had this just overwhelming, just, I don't know, it was a moment of overwhelming uh, kind of anxiety, I guess. So I pulled out before I went and got my Whopper and I parked in the spot. And I said, okay, God, right now, we're going to duke it out. It's either here or nowhere. This is it. This is the moment. And so he and I were talking. I didn't, there was no like rainbow. There was no flash of light. There was nothing like that. But in that moment in the parking lot of Burger King, I was convinced that I was on the right path. And this is what God wanted for my life. And actually my life shifted at that moment um, to be a, a follower of Jesus. And so Wow. I think to this day, you know, fast forwarding wow. to this day, I think my openness to questions probably is rooted in that Burger King parking lot uh, because good. I was I was struggling with it and I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I wanted to make sure that people could talk to me about it, you know, if they had questions wow. and struggles. So, wow. but anyway, wow. so fast, food, fast food is important for me, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I believe that God wants to be us where we are. Yeah. I'm just through that quiet time with Him. I mean, it's just so amazing what He would download into yeah. our life. Like, we do not have time. We do not have time to not spend time with. The, the Lord, you know, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said the you said there a minute ago that it's the fuel of our lives, and that's the truth. The the time that we spend daily with Scripture, um, and then just asking God, just asking Him for you know what He wants, the Spirit, um, Christ working in us. What is it that He wants? It, it, there's nothing more powerful than you can do every single day except that. Uh, amen. Amen. Like. Well, like, well, let's cultivate um, the Holy Spirit being our best 
friend. I mean, he yeah. is the one that empowers everything. Yeah, that's real good. I um, kind of shift gears a little bit. I was I was yeah. thinking about your book. There's a there's a throughout it. You kind of weave you know your story in the book, but there's a part where you talked about being a a child on the bathroom floor trying to get the door open and uh, yes. struggling, struggling with getting the door open. And then I, I kind of, as I'm reading through the book, that image kind of stayed in my head. And then when you, you know, accepted God's call in your life and you began to pursue ministry and then seemingly every time that you would get along in an interview, either at a church or uh, some kind of ministry organization, you get to the final interviews, they have a conversation with you. And it seemed like you were still that child behind the door, you know, couldn't, yes. couldn't get out. And so tell us about that and kind of some of the struggles, maybe, maybe even discrimination, prejudice that, that you've experienced because of, uh, because of CP. Well, okay. So, so um, I got out of seminary with a master's in Bible and uh I was super stoked to get my first ministry job, and I was super optimistic because um, because hey, I I've seen the, the Lord do a lot of my undergrad and my grad school just doing me investing life. Yeah, I. Was so, so stoked to do that full time, and so, so I was very uh, optimistic. I, I, I had my masters, uh, um, and that's cool. Um, I had some very well known references, kind of like I mean. Not, no, no to you, but kind of like how my book has worldwide known in Dorsters. And so with my, my master's um, references and with my experience, uh, uh, I thought, hey, let's go. I'm going to get a job pretty quickly and then so I started um, applying and I would get to the top two or three um, uh, um, spots and they would talk to me on the phone for the first time and then that was the first time that they would know that I have cerebral Policy, or the first time that they knew that I have a speech impediment, and and it, uh, yeah, um, some of the reactions and how quickly they kicked me out of the running for the job wouldn't shock you. Um, in fact. I remember this one gentleman, um, he's like, Todd, with your disease. Oh, no. I, oh, man. 
Yeah, I don't think you can do the job. Actually, I was thinking, I said, disease. Oh no, I have a disease. I had no idea that I have a disease. And so it was really, I mean, I think we get wounded probably more inside the church when wherever we get hurt than we ever do outside the church when someone hurts us because we have this high expectation hey, they are on the same page, you know, I mean, they love the Lord and the Lord loves them and, and we're all in this kingdom business together. And so it was shocking to me um, that they they cannot see uh, or see through God's power working through witness. Mm. Yeah. Well, at the heart of the matter, go ahead, Ruben. I was going to say, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what what the fix is. I mean, I, I'm guilty of having uh, maybe not someone that that deals with uh, CP or or something uh, like that, but just even I remember being in Bible college and just like it, it was almost I don't want to say it was a cultural thing, but it was it was easy to look at someone and to see their level, maybe their level of involvement or, you know, whatever, or and compare and to say, well, I wonder what that individual will do, or I wonder how God will use them. And then even on a really more uh, humbling level to say, I wonder if God can use someone like that. And, and you see um, that spread throughout the church and it's, it's humbling, but it's, um, I think, frustrating, too, because on, on my own, in my own heart, there's um, a lack of trust in what God uh, can do. You see it throughout all of Scripture, how God used, you know, different people. You look at, at uh, even uh, Moses, and he was like, uh, I can't talk. <laughs> and God's like, oh, I'm going to use you to free the people of Israel. And he's like, no, no, yeah. no, you don't understand. Like, I can't talk. And yeah. so he's like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll send Aaron with you and whatnot. And God accomplished great things. Um, you know, you look at uh, God is always. And that and that story, it really rocked my, my world. When someone said, Todd, now remember. He, he gave Aaron to Moses, but Moses still spoke. <laughs> I mean, no. yeah, you know, and that blew my Like, wow, yeah, he gave Aaron Moses to give peace, but Moses, even with his fishing permit or whatever he thought his speech was about, um, he still was the spokesman. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's the. I, and maybe you don't have, um, I'm not expecting you to have the, the fix or, or the answer, but you mentioned something that there is specifically within the church, 
there's an expectation um, that you said was so high that was like, oh, if you don't live up to this or in our mind, this person that we're hiring is is going to be able to do these things and look like this or whatever. They had kind of a probably a list in their minds of qualifications uh, or what you would refer to as, as expectations that were unmeetable for you and you found yourself thrown out of the running. Um, what's the... I mean, what's the fix for that? Like, where, where, where have we gone wrong as as a, as the church, so to speak? And is there something that we can be doing, uh, or a or a mindset shift that we need to be taking uh, that makes room for God to work through someone uh, that maybe we don't expect Him to work through? Oh. Hey, Ruben, you, you, you just made, um, you just um, proved that you are a wonderful talk show host because I actually have three answers to that. <laughs> <That's the best. laughs> so, we, uh, and so we can dig into each one and go to what. Ever right. Um, but I think that one is let's use um, the example of the man on the phone with me. I don't think he had, uh, I think he was probably insecure. And this is the first one is that. I think he was probably insecure about his own weaknesses. Probably because he's never had um, anyone invest in him. That his weakness is a conduit of, of God's power to flow through. So when that happens, we, we all weaknesses are now are source of insecurity you know so if the person on the phone with me if he's if he's deeply insecure about his own weaknesses and can only see how his weaknesses stop him then really he's going to protect that we i mean so so any weakness that we will give to the Lord that's power flow through, we are going to put that on the other people. I think that's a weakness for them too. So um, yeah, that's good. I think the heart of the <clears throat> the heart of the issue, and when we're when we're looking at it specifically, the church. You know, I'm not sure about other organizations, but specifically the church. The heart seems to be maybe where the the problem lies because we assume that God's going to work this way. And yet throughout scripture, we see God works completely different than we expect wow. every single time. But then in the modern day, we're surprised when he does, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're yeah. still expecting Saul to be the king and yes. God had David, you know, we're still expecting some big thing to take over. But it's actually these other, God just works another way. So the heart of the issue, I mean, you said it's the insecurities of our own and projecting our insecurities on other people. Ah, man, that is a, 
that is a profound thought profound because that is truly how we all process our relationships is i think these this is my insecurity so i'm going to put that on them they must think this as well even though they don't yeah yeah what else what else do you have you got three i mean that's one that's a bomb so what's what's the second one uh, the second one is the, 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 and this is huge. The church, well, the, the church that I've been exposed to more than not, the, the church um, culture does not uh, allow room for verb. There's not much room um, um, for people to, to be weak. There's not much room for pastors to be weak. Um, I mean, may I cannot count, count many times that pastor um, um, which talked openly about their weaknesses for the pulpit or <laughs> elders. I mean, I, I've Happy that the Lord is changing that today slowly, but but um but yeah, what what is celebrated is cultivated, and I don't think we celebrate weakness. <laughs> uh, that's actually a huge point, uh, Ruben. Talk about vulnerability for a minute because vulnerability really, I think this podcast is our attempt at vulnerability. <laughs> I think that's what this is. And so talk about that for a minute, Ruben, like kind of the, the first show that we put out there and how, how anxious we were about it. Yeah, you don't know how people are going to respond, especially in, in today's culture. Um, and unfortunately, in the church world and the expectation of a pastor or a ministry leader is that oftentimes they're, like I said, I, I think I mentioned this before earlier in the podcast was that we're looked at um, as someone who does or should have it all figured out. And so early on in the podcast in our discussion, it was like, man, what if we don't what if we don't land on something like what if the conversation just is left open and we have to say, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the right answer is. That that gives me a lot of anxiety because I I think part of it's just my personality. But then part of it is cultural um, where I've grown up in environments where. Uh, you mentioned it earlier about this knowledge-based relationship rather than, uh, or an intellectual um, relationship rather than a transformative one. And it was my relationship with God um, early on. Um, and I would say this was even before I accepted Christ, like truly as the Lord of my life um, and put my faith and trust in him. Uh, it was it was performance. It was, it was, uh, having it all figured out at every step of the way. And the moment that you realize you don't. And so your statement with weakness and projecting it onto other people, I think a lot of my life was spent trying to point the finger or spotlight somebody else's weakness because I was terrified that somebody would figure out mine. Um, and then 
along with that, you take that full circle and you live your life and you know deep down inside that you are a fraud because you project life and onto people as if you don't have any weakness and you have it all figured out. But you know deep down inside that you don't have it all figured out and you're waiting mm. for the day that that thin rope snaps and everyone figures out who you really are. And so mm. it's like wearing this constant mask Gosh. or uh, performing at a certain level and it wears you out. Uh, I mean, it's just it's terrible. And so. Um, being in the place that I am now, I think part of it is maturity. Part of it is culture. Uh, part of it's personality. Um, but I finally feel like I got to a place where I was like, man, I just, I can't live like this anymore. Um, I Mm. can't project this or perform this way anymore as if I am perfect or have it all figured out. And that's part of my personality too. I'm a perfectionist. I want things to be right. I, I, I tell Ray all the time, like, well, I want to just know what the right answer is so that I can do that and not have to worry about, am I right or not? You know, I wish they got yeah. come down and, you know, draw a roadmap for us, uh, you know, and say, do this here, do this here and do these things and you'll be good. And, but, and that's me wanting to take faith and even my relationship with God, my, mm. uh, my salvation even into my own hands and what I've done and what I've accomplished that I can point back to my resume, if you will, rather than to point to the blood of Jesus, the grace and the kindness and the love of Jesus that rescued me in the first place. Uh, I want there to be something that I can hold on to tangibly and the moment that there's not, I uh, I can have a tendency to um, feel very very anxious um, because it seems uh, loose or sometimes irresponsible to be um, to be vulnerable because I'm the one that's supposed to have it all figured out. Uh, and I don't know where that came from necessarily. I don't know if it was somebody nobody ever looked me in the in the face and grabbed my head and said, Hey, you have to have life figured out. No, nobody Mm. told me that I just picked it up along the way. So, um, it's important for me to, to remain vulnerable and to remain, uh, weak, if you will, and be reminded of my weakness. Uh, this past year, God has through his word and through different, um, devotions. I actually spent, uh, um, a chunk of time going through your devotion on the, on the Bible app that, or corresponds with your book. Uh, yeah. um, super helpful, um, especially the chapter with um, being vulnerable enough to ask for help. Like that, that help asking for help is a picture of the gospel. Um, was a concept that I, I still wrestle with uh, today. And I think vulnerability on this point, Todd, and you can speak to this for a minute, but um, you said vulnerability is important, and I think even even reading your story. And even knowing about um, kind of the things you've gone through, they're also in your own life, you're having to struggle with vulnerability. So because you've created a life for yourself that um, you're, you're, you're self-sufficient, you know, you drive, you, you can get in and out of your car and you're like, no, I don't need any help. I don't need any help. And so even you've had to come to a place in your own journey to be vulnerable because in your mind, I mean, you people would assume you wear it on your sleeve, but you don't. 
<laughs> you've been you've been kind of stubborn with it, and so along the way, you're like, yeah, well, I got to be vulnerable. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I'm happy that you didn't know me like over taking a go because I man, there's a sense of me that wants to prove my self, right? And I think right. that's a, every human, we, 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 we want to, to prove, prove ourselves. And I, I can tell you countless stories about being in the Bible Belt of Texas. I'm, I'm parking at Starbucks about to, to go into the Separation meeting, and uh, I would get out of my jeep and walk to the back, right? Because that's how I put uh, my wheelchair to the back. But if you see me walk between the front door and the back door without um, seeing my wheelchair or a wheelchair um, sticker, you, you think, okay, this guy. I probably need to call the cops because I think he's driving, <laughs> he's driving and he's had a couple too many, right? But, um, but, 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 but countless times people would stop me, like either on my way back or when I'm opening the back hatch of my Jeep Grand Turkey, people would stop me and say, hey, um, do you need me help? And there was a time in my life where I would get angry and try not to show it, but I said to them some things that I regret now. Like, I remember one time I said, oh my goodness, yes, you can't help. How in the world was I about to get my butcher out of my Jeep if you did not stop? And I said, I don't know what I would have done without it. And, 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 and <laughs> it was it was very prideful, very spoiled. Um, uh, I've had to repent a few times <laughs> of that. Um, but then I realized, uh, because one of my passions is to meet people, right? Start mm. conversations that end up in conversations about the goodness of Jesus. And so so now, and then I finally realized, hey, this might be a, a weird kind of guy opportunity. So I'm like, well, I'm like, well, actually, actually can you like just walk by me as I walk right there? And then, and then they'll walk by me and I'll talk, hey, so what's your name? How are you? And sometimes I would be very bored. Yeah, I'm thankful that Jesus helps me um, get my wheelchair out. Hey, do you know him? Since uh, I slowly <laughs> just, just started, hey, if I say yes to people helping me, that might help them come in contact with Jesus. And that's exactly what the Paralytic did when yeah. his when his friends helped him on the net. 
and, and, and lowered they him to Jesus, but he could have been prideful. I said, no, 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 no. But if he was prideful, his friends would not have got to see the power of Jesus. But because, but because he said yes, and let them his friend. I mean, yeah, he got healed, but his friends got to encounter the love, the power of Jesus that healed him. That's a great point. So I think a powerful ministry is to say is to let people help us, and you know, to invite people into our lives to say, "Yes, you can help me." Wow. I think that's amazing. Most of us can't get people to come help us do anything. So you have a unique opportunity to actually get yeah. a lot of people to come, come around you. That's a, that's, a, that's a cool thing. So you have three points. You only gave us two. So you have insecurities about our own weaknesses. No room for vulnerability was the second thing. What's the what's the third thing that you wrote down? Okay. I, probably this has really, um, probably this has really sparked me the, the, the most. And probably it made me the most angry in that I would have to grow in compassion. Um, and that is um, the disciples of Jesus to use compassion for someone with patronizing mm. someone. And and those two words seem like extreme opposite. So um, so many examples are needed. Like um, um, where I meet a Christian, you know, look, look at say I think that we're on the same page, right? We're on the same kingdom page, but it's been. From then that I have received stuff like, wow, Todd, it's so good that you're out and about. <laughs> it did that happen a lot in the Bible. I mean, I mean, they, 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 that my life goal is to get out of the house. And I think what, I think, well, I, I think some of this is generational because um, the thing is the older generation, they saw someone who is definitely able, maybe they will live with their mom and dad for a long time or they will, um, um, anyway, um, but Jesus, uh, I love that scene. Uh, we were talking about um, having a quiet time earlier, but I love that scene where, where Jesus he saw the crowd, and he he could have fed his ego looking human and help the crowd. So he 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 he, he went off. To be with the Lord, and then he came back and he saw a crowd, and he 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 said he 
saw him with compassion, like she, like she without a shepherd. And and when this happens, you see beyond someone's physical needs into their heart, you know, their spiritual neediness, their emotional neediness. Um, here's one example, um, and, and just know that I believe heavily in the power of the Lord. Like, I believe God could heal me in my cerebral palsy before we finish this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I the power of God, God, but I remember people walking up to me in a bottle belt at Walmart, <laughs> start a cafe, hey, may I pray for your healing? And, and there was a time um, where uh, I was jobless between my the masters and my first career job to do to discrimination and in my mind in my mind in my heart i didn't need this person to pray for my healing i needed prayers for just like every man who wants to get his career off the ground and be in full-time ministry and be able to and make money to provide for, for my future wife and children. I mean, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I need remember. I think we're too quick at, at looking at someone thinking what, what we think that they need. <laughs> and, and then it comes off very patronizing. I think that's the projection uh, you're talking about. You're talking about projection. So my my vulnerabilities become your vulnerabilities and all you want is if you're gonna pray for me, pray for me to get a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or introduce me to someone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you said a minute ago that um, a lot of people would assume generationally assume that you just need to You'd probably stay home for longer and all that stuff. And I, I know your mom, and I don't think she could have handled you past the time you left home. So, ah, <laughs> so. That, that, funny. Yeah. And you're ready to leave home. So, um, man, this has been awesome. I, um, so the church in particular, as far as discrimination. And as far as the the exposure of, of of you to church, so so how can we do better? So obviously our insecurities, vulnerability, confusion, compassion with patronizing. I mean, how can we do better on a practical level in church today to make room for everyone? Hey, 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 Ray and Ruben, I think that this is key. You know, look, I, um, so over the past years, we hear churches talk openly about things that we, we talk about, like, 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 um, discrimination among race, like, 
2020. I'm, I'm happy that we finally got into racial reconciliation. But, but I have to get the charity that deep down, I mean, I'm happy about that, but deep down, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's still a long ways to go for the, the differently able that tends to be not even talked about at all. And yeah. so what's intriguing about that is, like we talked about, weakness is one way to uh, usher in God's power. So to me, it seems to, to, to be opposite of what we want to do as a church. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. But Galatians 3.28 um, talks about how we um, uh, we no longer see each other in a former state. And it in all of our scripture, there's it says that there is no distinction, yeah. and so uh, I, I, I really think that that we are missing out on God's power when we ignore people's weaknesses as a gift to to God's church. I agree with that. I think um, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this with our our current situation in the states, in the country, but also in the in the world. There's a, there's an attraction of the, the of, of people to power, and the church is no different. Uh, the the church has been attracted to powerful leaders and powerful pastors and even powerful rulers and presidents to where we've elevated man. Um, because we really, in our hearts, don't like Jesus. I think Jesus is humble, compassionate, weak, lowly, a servant, humble. And so he came to save our souls, and we're, we're happy that he saved our souls, but we really don't like Jesus too much. We want a powerful leader. And so we're actually wanting to fabricate or create the Jesus we wish would have come, not the one that actually came. Wow. What do you think about that? Wow. What do you think about wow. that? I think that is. Powerful, yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, God, He was. Uh, I mean, He became a baby first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a baby. I mean, it's it's uh, helpless. You know, it is is the weakest form of weak. And so, God, we're off of His throne. He here is the weakest form of human, and then his death, he, God, became weak. Yeah. Yeah. His humanity is what got him killed, not his godness. Um, If he would have been God, fully God, he wouldn't have been killed. But because he was human, that's why they killed him. Yes. Yes. That's really interesting. Well, man, I can't. You're a rambler, just like the rest of us, Todd. Um, we've, been, we've been going on for a long time. I, I actually, just to wrap up, uh, what we try to do. Maybe we'll have to have you on again in the in the future. But uh, to okay. wrap up, yeah, for sure. we like to we kind of like to 
give people an opportunity to connect with you, um, you know, how people can find you. And then there's a question I always ask Ruben, is there anything that you're like addicted to right now? Is there something you've stumbled across? There's like, oh, this is something that's really good that you can share. I'll share mine first to give you time to think about it. Um, this is called liquid death and it's a, it's a sparkling water <laughs> and it says murder, uh, your murder your thirst. It's a, it's a, I just found it at the cool. store and that's uh, cool. it's, it's really, it's really good. So anyway, that's my, uh, my, my new thing. What about you, Ruben? What do you got? What do you got going on right now? I'm really into realizing I, as I was drinking my, um, water during the episode i realized how many stickers i actually have from all these different places so i guess i would yeah. be into stickers right now <laughs> maybe that's why maybe that's why i was so pumped when you got rabbit hole ramble stickers. rabbit hole ramble there you <laughs> I, go like, i immediately uh, put one on my mug so uh, I, I, stickers. Uh, I need one of those stickers we'll send you one we'll send you oh, yeah. we'll send you uh, <laughs> you're you're an honorary honorary rambler now. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So what are you Ooh, what are you addicted uh, to these days, uh, Todd? Oh, uh, well, my addiction is still nitro, cold <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, um, I meet with a lot of people over nitro cold brews. I probably drink way too much coffee, but um, yeah. That's good. So how can um, people find you, Todd? If people want to follow you, if people want to check in on your ministry. Oh, oh, well, I'm super stoked um, because um, this month is where I started to travel and speak and speak more. Um, so people can find me on mobilizedministries.com there and then you can Following me on all social media, but I love to connect and serve people. So if there's any way I can serve you and or your small group and or your church, just, just, just let me know. We, um, what we do is we, uh, I travel and speak a lot about um, to, to mobilize each person in their missional life. And I travel and speak about God's power through, through your weaknesses. Um, but yeah, and there's a new way to get an autographed copy of my book on my um, website. It's mobilizedministries.com. All right. So what we what we want to do, this is like a special. I've never never done this before. But anybody that's listening to this point and hears this, can we pay for a copy of that book autograph for you to send to them, Todd? Can we do that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you do. For our ministry, we don't sell books, but, but, but our ministry, you'll see on the website, there's two t- types of um, donors who receive uh, books, but um, okay. I, I will just um, have my 
mom gave you one, though. Um, she goes. Does she have an autographed one? Yes, yes. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm going to look on your website, see what the donation amount is. Rabbit Hole Ramble will give a donation to your ministry so we can get a book that's autographed. And then the first person to direct message us, either through email or Instagram, we're going to send you an autographed copy of Weak is the New Strong. It's an awesome book. You don't want to, you, you don't want to miss it. So anybody that wants the book, please go get it it's on Amazon. It's on Todd's website. Um, but please go get the book. We'll put this in the show notes as well, how you can get a hold of Todd. And, um, man, it's been a blast. I mean, we've been talking for an hour and a half, Todd. I can't believe it. <laughs> On the way. <laughs> it's, like we're, it's like we just hopped on. Wow. I know. Uh, I know. It's been fun. That's why yeah. it's rabbit hole. Hot. Rabbit, yeah. So, yeah, um, it's a rabbit hole ramble, jumping in different holes all the time. <laughs> yeah, we hopped around. Pick it up, yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I appreciate it, guys. That was awesome. Uh, 